A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. Did you do any prep for today's show? Uh, no. Right. What are we going to do then? Well, look, I mean, it is what it is. We'll just go out there and... Can you stop saying that Love Island phrase? Oh my God, it's not a Love Island phrase. It is what it is. It's from Love Island. Okay, look, this is like when you said you invented the phrase Gaysian. Um, well, I did, actually. I didn't... Don't, you didn't. I still don't get the credit for that either. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, gays, non-gays, and everyone in between, welcome to a gay and a non-gay live from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival 2019. Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. Hey, 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 hey. Um, so yeah, we're doing nine special episodes live from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and we're releasing all of them. So there's loads of extra gay and non-gayness in your lives, baby girl. Uh, we've also got loads of special guests on our podcasts and um, tonight we're bringing on Richard Gadd and the amazing impressionist Christina Bianco. Um, so this whole it is what it is thing. I'm going to WhatsApp my fr- I'm going to WhatsApp someone who's going to confirm this. Okay. I'm going to be back. <laughs> Hold on. Where are you going? I've got to get my phone. Talk amongst yourselves. Sorry. Quick question. Uh, I'm at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, can you basically, can you leave me a voice note back telling me whether or not I've been saying the phrase, it is what it is, for quite a long time? Thanks. Great. Um, Update to follow. So Dan's girlfriend is in Edinburgh, everyone. Yes. She's called Talia. She's the producer of the podcast. Um, And she normally lives in Seattle, which is obviously really far away, but she's flown over here for the shows, which is amazing. Um, But she's not here. (laughs) Because she went to someone else's show tonight. (laughs) How does that feel, Dan? I'm a bit surprised, actually. Yeah, I thought she was going... Do you think that's really shitty? (laughs) Yeah, I do, yeah. Do you? I think that's pretty shitty. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, I think that was Scottish for... Definitely. No, definitely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Bare fault? No, you said defo. Oh, defo. Okay, got it. Got it. Um, shall we bring on our first guest? Defo. Please welcome Dan's girlfriend. Oh, wait, no, she's not here. Um, we're bringing on an amazing comedian actor, and his new show is called Baby Reindeer. Now, some of the topics in the show are quite dark, but uh, I wanted to introduce him with uh, a song. We always bring people on to a song, and... Uh, I couldn't think of anything more appropriate than than what we're going to use because the show is obviously called Baby Reindeer. So, uh, without further ado, please welcome the amazing Richard Gadd. Reindeers are better than people. Don't you think that's true? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks you, for having me. Do you like the music I've chosen for you, Richard? The music's beautiful. Beautiful. Very sort of uh, contra. You know, it certainly contrasts to the dark un- undertones of the actual show itself. Do you not come has, on? Has, to... has anyone seen the show here? Cool. Okay, this is going to be a very dark okay. conversation. So wait, have really... you never? You've watched Frozen, though, right? I've never seen Frozen. I'm oh, sorry so that, that is from Frozen. Reindeer are better than people. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you're not a gay or a non-gay. Uh, I'm st- well. I'm. You know the. You know a lot. A lot of things I've said about the sort of LGBTQ. You know how the, the alphabet sort of seems to go on. Oh yeah, and we're uh, like a sandwich now. And but when day. the Q came out, I was like, yeah. I think I'll spend my life as a Q. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I'm sort of always sort of questioning and doubting it. It's sort of it's sort of an ongoing process. Do you know what I mean? By being with men and women, if that's what you're asking. Well, I was. I um. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I. 
I, think I, well, I, like, I identify as bisexual. That seems to sort of help. Although bisexual is a funny thing because I find that there is a cynicism, like you know, like bi before you. You know, a lot of people sort of say that if you buy, you buy first and then gay later and sort of. Thing. Yeah. But you don't sort of get that cynicism when it sort of comes to sort of the female female bi. Seems to be like, okay, you're bi. But when it comes to the, to the men, sometimes there's more of a cynicism around it. And why is say? that? I don't know. I th- I think there's just more of a maybe entrenched stigma surrounding you know you know men you know and and the idea of yeah I think I think there is more of a a sort of there there is more of a repression when it comes to men the idea the draconian ideas of masculinity the idea of you know the the James climbing the beanstalk to, to rescue the princess do you know what I mean and I think there's just been so much awful shit that's happened down the years that's yeah. made men sort of repress themselves and I, and I think you know there's always you know we, we speak at length about you know women being the subject of the male gaze and I think bisexuality has always been you know within white male privilege has always been something that you that women oh yeah yeah the idea of lesbians oh, do you see what I mean there's more of acceptability because it's because inside of white privilege and white male privilege there is this sort of idea that you know lesbians and everything like that is a, is a sort of turn on I also feel like um, men are just afraid in general of their masculinity being harmed right so absolutely if there's something in the middle of being gay and non-gay yeah, that's quite yeah. scary because that, that could be yeah, them yeah. as well fucking terrifying every day you know like, keep the curtains closed you know what I mean like, <laughs> like don't look out the window don't look anyone in the eye yeah yeah it, it is a, it's a sort of uh, weird scary thing but but you know I, I've, I've tried to conform to each one and it, it never seems to work so why is I mean? why is masculinity so fragile then <sighs> I Dan just, <laughs> <laughs> there, I don't know why you're asking me. I'm I'm very comfortable with. I don't know. Like it's it is though, isn't it? It's fragile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is fragile. I mean, I mean, it just is. It just is a. It is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, you see, I thought you were quoting Max Holloway. Does anyone get that reference? Fucking, am I dying on my whole? <laughs> um, I did. Who is who is that? Yeah, yeah, Max Holloway. Don't matter. I mean, if no one's gonna get it, it's just gonna kill the. It's gonna make it nosedive. He's, he's a <laughs> UFC guy. He always goes, "It is what it is." You know, he beats someone up. He's like, "It is what it." Yeah. UCFC. No, you're just sort of lying. What's UFC. What's UFC? UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship. What? You see, I feel like I'm like sort of flexing. You're so masculine. <laughs> no, no, I'm not masculine. I just, you know, that's the thing. Like, I, you know, you, you watch UFC, then go and suck someone off. I mean, it's the same. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, you, you gotta live, you gotta live a life of polar extremes. Do you know what I mean? But, but, but I, yeah, but no, no, I'm a fan of UFC. Um, let's talk about your show, Baby Radio. Yes, so tell us about your show in your own words. My, uh, I do autobiographical shows. I do a lot of shows that sort of uh, explore sort of the depths of my life. I, I had a very tricky. I've had a tricky life in in a lot of ways. Um, and so this is a this, this show encompasses six years of my life. Uh, my twenties were very rocky, very very tricky time. Uh, I got stalked and harassed for a long, uh, a very large period of that time uh, by uh, a woman called Martha. And uh, you've changed my, her name, right? I've changed the name. That's that's not her actual name, but but she, she's called. I, I called her Martha in the show. Uh, she harassed me and stalked me for years and ruined me and my family's lives. And and it was it was an awful period of time. And uh, do you want me to keep this light? Because every now and then, no, I can, I'm I can, really intrigued. Right, I can do a pullback reveal every time I get too dark. If you want, like you've also talked about um, a lot of stuff to do with with obsession in this show and also kind of sexual abuse. Yes, I, I yeah, think it's yeah. really important because this stuff happens to everyone. So I don't yes, think it it's does, dark yeah, yeah. really. I think it's kind of just normal and happening, and it's really good to put a light on it. Yeah, yeah. My twenties were fucked. I was like 
sexually abused him. I, 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 I fell in with a bad crowd, took way too many drugs, got in awful situations, fell in with all, but got, got, got in a really awful night one night when, when, when lots of really bad sexual abuse shit happened to me. You know, like, and, and it was a crazy time in my 20s. It was like this, and I think all of it actually stemmed from this sort of lack of self-acceptance. I, I remember coming, you know, I remember coming out of the, the other side of sort of, after I was sort of, you know, after I was sexually abused and everything, I, I remember sort of like my whole life spiraled out of control. My ideas of masculine, I always prided myself on being a masculine man. I always considered myself being very heteronormative and I enjoyed that. You know, I played football on a Sunday and I watched UFC. But after that had happened to me, I sort of, everything sort of crumbled and I, I really, uh, I started to, I remember shaving my head and, and looking as aggressive as possible, as I possibly could, because I didn't want anyone to see the vulnerability that was then in me. Do you see what I mean? And so I really went the other way. And I think, you know, all of it stemmed from me sort of repressing myself at a young age and all these kinds of stuff. I think it all feeds into the same thing, you know? And that's what these shows are about. And so this, this show's about stalking, but I think she stalked me because of, you know, a lot of shit that was going on. I was very vulnerable, so I let her in in a lot of ways. And I, I did a lot of behavior that wasn't, wasn't appropriate. And I think as a result, I sort of egged her on and made her made it worse. But everything got so out of control. I look back on my, my 20s as a whirlpool. It was, it, was, it was a fucking awful, mad time. I think we are all quite... We are, I mean, everyone is kind of finding themselves, aren't they? at that age especially oh, in the lgbtq community like because yeah. we're so vulnerable and we we're told by everyone all the time that we don't belong here yes, so it's yes. really difficult to find acceptance um and there are a lot of rabbit holes you can go down a lot of wrong turns you can take so what yes. would your advice be to people that might be front like facing that I guess to know it's okay and, and to just, I don't know. I mean, my, my experiences were so unfortunate because the second I started, started trying to dip my sort of toes in the water, it went in a very extreme direction. Do you see what I mean? And so so I would say to, you know, keep your wits about you, you know, listen to that basic human instinct. Because even, even when bad shit was going down and I was, I was doing these, these these drugs with these these shady people but i knew like fundamentally there's something something wrong here but i still kept going i still kept pushing myself in these directions i still kept saying that it was because of my lack of self-acceptance that i wasn't doing this i wasn't going down this road quick enough i think you know instinctually when something's wrong and i think if you listen to that if you put that above everything else then then you'll be okay you seem to be somebody who's uh can't do anything lightly like yes, you, yeah. you have to go hard like this yeah. show that you did a few years ago you did the whole thing running on a treadmill for the whole show. Absolutely, which yep, is yep. insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where did that idea come from? Well, after after everything that happened to me, you know, like, you know, I was from a sort of quite a rough place in Fife, you know, outskirts of Dundee sort of thing. And, you know, I, I sort of didn't have anywhere I could turn, anyone I could speak to who I thought would be, who would, you know, wouldn't judge me. So I decided what I'd do because I couldn't sleep. I've got terrible insomnia, but certainly at that point in time, I couldn't sleep at all. Uh, I would run for miles and miles and miles just, just so I could go to sleep at night, basically. And I remember uh, I remember one night running 18 miles. I'm not even joking. I remember one running from Frying Barnet to sort of Wembley. I'm not even joking, <laughs> just because I was so... It's so sleep. trapped in my head. Yeah, I couldn't sleep and I just would run and I wasn't thinking about the running. I was thinking about all the stuff that I'd been through and the stupid mistakes I'd made and the fucking pe the other people in my life who'd yeah. made, who'd done these awful things. And like... I just, I ran and ran and ran. I remember even as I was running and I was in this awful place and battling with suicide and all these things, I remember thinking at the end of the tunnel that maybe, just maybe, there's something here that I could maybe bring some sort of peace if I put this on stage or talked about this in some kind of way. Do you see what I mean? Uh, and then I guess it came about four years later, five years later, after everything had happened, 
uh, I decided I felt sort of brave enough to do it. And so I thought the best way of getting the, the sort of ideas of self-repression and oppression and all these awful things across to an audience was to actually just run as fast as I could in front of them for an hour at a time. And I, I covered like 10, 11, 12K of a show. <laughs> but that was nothing compared to what I was doing in that's, a night. That's, that's insane and yeah. incredible. I, I mean, I guess you didn't have to go to the gym or work out or exercise at all. No, I didn't. But ironically, I did put on a lot of weight. Really? I think because my body was stressed and I was overcompensating with eating. I had, I got really fat doing that show. I know that sounds mad, but I did. I got really fat. I don't know. It's like cortisol. I think that's what it's called. It's when, you, when, you, when, you, when apparently your body feels stressed, it actually puts on weight. Wait. Wow! I think just because of running adrenaline highs, I wasn't sleeping. All these kinds of things. It's also stressful enough anyway, performing, let alone having. I know, to run I know. At the same time, absolutely, absolutely crazy. But I've knackered my knees and ankles. Genuinely, they they, they kill. I almost can't crouch down now, thanks to doing that show because because it was a big success, and I and I went around the world, and I, I did about probably three hundred shows. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? I was like three thousand. I God knows how many thousands of miles I did, but uh, but I was knackered. I was doing matinees. Oh my God. Was, yeah, the whole thing was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> did yeah. the people know, booking you know what the show was? Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. And the audiences sometimes did. And that was often a very interesting uh, period of time. Yeah, I mean, going down to Australia, you know, you know, because obviously we're quite progressive here at the Edinburgh Fringe. We're quite progressive in the heart. So oh, London, do you see what I mean? Yeah, going okay, out to okay, Reading. Yeah. You know, going out to Reading, talking about this kind of stuff. Going to Coventry. Oh, my God. If, if I die and it flashes back to those moments, I'll be pissed off because I want to forget about them. I remember, like, I, the only laugh I got in Coventry, did the show for the entire life, because it was a comedy show, even though it was dark shit. You know, it was a comedy show. Um, I remember running on this, 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 this treadmill, and the only laugh I got was because every time a video played, uh, they would walk out, and I said, "You know, even though you're walking out, I can still see you." That was the only. That was the <laughs> only. That was the only laugh I got for the entire. No hour. way. Oh, it was all. There was some awful. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do a national tour at all. I'm going to play Soho, Edinburgh, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a shame, though, because it's such an important show. Like, and what you're talking about is really important as well. And I think there probably is a real lack of men coming forward saying that they've experienced sexual assault because masculinity, as we just said, is yeah, kind of absolutely. fragile, and you don't want to be honest about that stuff. Well, hundred percent. I, I work for this channel now called survivors and they they're, they're brilliant but we do a lot of anonymous questionnaires and you wouldn't believe the statistics you know we're very repressed gendered you know i mean we're very you know it's it's sort of crazy and you know and i haven't worked with them for so many years now and met a lot of men like you would you would it, it's epidemic it's epidemic to the point where i don't think people quite kind of realize it's, it's going to be a there's going to be a a, a a gate's going to open and we're going to be shocked, you know, and we're already getting shocked, but I think we could, we're going to be even more shocked. About men being sexual Yeah, abused. just, you know, it's epidemic, it really is. Have you had a lot of people coming to you after seeing your show and, and opening up and saying... All the time, yeah. Really? And the funny thing is, you know, like having, having you know, there, there's, it's funny because I remember there was a few people in my life who, you know, because it's, it's sometimes fun, you have friends that you just want to have a drink with and you want to sort of just be the worst possible version of yourself. I mean, we can be, we can be honest about that, do you know what I mean? Like sometimes, sometimes you're the worst possible possible version of yourself around some people. Sometimes that's fun. Sometimes that's releasing. But there were certain pockets in my life. I played football team, played for a Sunday league football team. I remember feeling so paranoid about doing the show. And they almost stopped me, this idea of like going down on a Sunday playing football and just like these guys knowing about A, my sexuality, B, what had happened to me. Just being this vulnerable guy on stage. And the, the, the one guy I was, well, I, I better not speak too obviously about him in case you listen to this podcast. But I was amazed by some of the, the things that the football team said to me afterwards. The people who had, you know, experienced similar things. You know, it's crazy. You never know what someone's going through. And so I, I learned to never have judgment about anyone. Do you see what I mean? Because because it's the, the one people I thought would be most uh, sort of weird around me were, were in some ways the best. 
I actually think it's, it's a friend of a friend, but I'm pretty sure he, this is happening to him just yeah, from yeah. some stuff that I've heard. And I've said to some people in between, like, someone needs to sort this out. But I mean, what do you do? Yes. Like, I, I, it's a genuine question. Like, what, yeah. what, 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 what does one do? And you're talking sexuality, you're talking abuse. Abuse. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they, I mean, there's many, many things. I, I could give reams and reams of information, but I, I, I'm, not just, I'm not just, I don't get money doing this, but I reckon if he got in touch with Survivors Manchester, well, I, I'm based in Manchester, but the Survivors Network is, is, is world, it's not worldwide, it's, it's Brit, British-wide, if that makes sense. They're amazing, and it's anonymous, and he doesn't—he can speak over the phone. He doesn't even need to reveal his name if he doesn't. And a lot of it's shame. A lot of it's around of it's shame. And once you release yourself from the shackles of shame, then you know there's freedom within that. If you face your fear, there is freedom. All you need to do is pick up the phone. You're yeah. amazing, Richard. Thank you, and like a real inspiration to a lot of people—not just men, I think, but all of us—in terms of the shame thing and just accepting who you are. So yeah, thanks so much for coming and chatting to thanks us. Thanks for having me. Um, have a good night. Give it up for Richard Gadam. Thanks very much. All the best. Did you see this uh, this bus driver thing that happened um, this week? Uh, this is the, this is the guy in Nor <laughs> Norwich. Right? Yeah. That's, so there's this guy in Norwich, this bus driver, who's been suspended uh, after refusing to drive a bus because that bus was celebrating uh, Norwich Pride and had a rainbow-coloured number, <laughs> right? Not even a rainbow bus, just the number, uh, just the number five o two in rainbow. And he refused to drive it. So passengers were basically waiting for their bus for ages. And then when the bus arrived, they were like, oh, sorry, we had to change bus because the driver didn't want to drive a bus that promoted homosexuality. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but it's... What? <laughs> Isn't that so dumb? Yeah, that's, that's in, abs absolutely insane. Um, I read that he, uh, this guy's been suspended, which I guess is good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's completely mad. Like, have you are you gay because you got on a gay bus? Like, yeah, it's stupid, isn't it? It's like, would you look at a rainbow flag? But I remember this conversation with my um, stepmom when I was younger. My stepmom didn't want my brothers to know that I was gay because if they found out I was gay, then they would be gay. That was her thinking behind it. And my mom, bless her, ended up being on the phone to her and was like, "Well, just because there's." murderers on television doesn't mean that your sons are going to be murderers so what are you talking about um but there's just this whole stupid thinking isn't there that people have i don't know why people are so miseducated about stuff like that like why do they think that if they just see a rainbow bus they're gonna be turned gay I, I I really don't know. There was a priest recently. Did you see this priest in um, Cyprus? And basically he came out saying that the reason gay people exist is because women have a desire for anal sex when they're expecting. <laughs> and, and that gay people exist because that desire for anal sex transfers to the fetus. Isn't that insane? <laughs> I mean, how can he think like that? And you, you texted your mum. <laughs> yes, I literally did text my mum. And asked, he texted his mum and asked her, did you have anal sex whilst you were pregnant with me? Well, I, I forwarded her the... I did. I forwarded her the story and I said, did you? And, uh, and she wrote back, absolutely not. So... Why would you ask the lady your mum that protest too much? Firstly, well, why wouldn't why, I ask my mum that? Well, why would you do that? Because I thought it was hilarious. I thought she'd find it quite funny. And why would she just answer it like it's the most normal question in the world? <laughs> what, did you and dad have anal sex? <laughs> That's quite a normal question, isn't it? Is well, it? I think my mum knows that I'm fighting for 
my right to exist a lot and that, you know, I've basically become a sort of part-time activist with this <laughs> podcast. So I think she sort of gets it. So when I sent her that, I think she just thought it was funny. She just literally wrote back, lol, absolutely not. But you never know. I mean, why wouldn't my mum have anal sex? It's not that. Why is that such a shameful question to ask? Why can't I ask my mum that? It's not. <laughs> Thank you. It's not shameful. It's just a bit embarrassing to have that kind of conversation. With why? Them. People have sex. Yeah, but do they then talk about, about it in detail with the parents? Well, why not? I don't. Well, wh- I've talked about sex with my parents a lot, with my mum a lot, have not you? my dad so much. Yeah. Yeah, I told her. Well, she was like, why are you breaking up with your boyfriend at this one point in my life? And I was like, well, if you really want the truth, (laughs) the sex isn't really working and it's not great. And we're not able to move forwards. If you you actually want the... I mean, it's going to get edited out. Um, He wouldn't penetrate at all. And I was like, I need some penetration in this relationship. Otherwise, I don't feel like we're connected. (laughs) Couldn't you do it to him? No, he didn't want it either way. Which is weird, but I mean, no, it's not. Which is different, because <laughs> you know, normally you expect someone to be a top, a bottom, or a verse. Um, I think what he is is actually defined as a side. That's that's, that's the label. Oh, for really? That, I think, yeah. Okay. Um, and that's fine, but he didn't tell me that, so I didn't know that when we first got together. So it, <laughs> for want of a better word, dragged on, <laughs> and uh, and it just became this really awkward problem, where we weren't really like enjoying sex. So. So yeah, I told my mum about that, and she was like, cool, totally get it. <laughs> She's a lad. <laughs> I don't know why you think that's so weird. I, d- I just think it's weird. Well, there are boundaries between like you and your parents, but they shouldn't exist. Because it's just, it, I don't know why they do exist. I think you should just, I, I mean, personally, I think you should just talk about things all the time to everyone. The world would, you, would be a would lot easier. Like would you say that to somebody else's parents? Um, <laughs> probably not, but then that's because I don't know them. Right. But after a period of time, if I felt like I was friendly enough with them, yeah. I just don't think we should put boundaries in front of people. But conversa- do, I mean, do you? Is it help? You do think so? Is it helpful though to, because that's why people, that's why there's like a pay gap and shit, because we don't talk yeah, about no, it. Yeah, no, I know. but that's So we bit, should just talk about stuff. It's a bit different, not, not disclosing like your pay and not disclosing whether, you, whether or not you're having anal sex. There's <laughs> quite a big difference there. Well, anyway, <laughs> my mum wasn't having anal sex and still isn't, so we can all live with that. Well. <laughs> um, I've got news for you. <laughs> okay, we're going to welcome another amazing guest on our show right now, and I'm so excited about this because she is an amazing diva, a singer, um, impressionist, an actor. Please give a huge scream for Christina Bianco. Hey, babe, how are you? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, my God. So your show is on every night at the Edinburgh Fringe, and um, you do all of your impressions. Yeah, uh, so the show, I mean, strangely enough, it's called First Impressions. See what I did there? Um, And I've done, although I've only performed at the Fringe, I think... Two times officially and three times in Edinburgh, kind of like during the fringe. Um, my, I've had this amazing, surprising uh, second, I call it second, like it's an offshoot career. I was always a singer and an actor in my own right, and I posted some videos on YouTube where I was doing impressions. They went viral, and it led to me putting a lot of shows together where I sing and do impressions. So it's always like, how do you find new ways to sort of reinvent the wheel? I don't just sing a Celine Dion song a Celine Dion. I find a lot of fun in mixing and matching impressions. So like, what if Celine Dion saying, um, like, a, I don't know, like, um, 
the theme song to The Simpsons. That doesn't even have lyrics, but you know what I mean. Like I, I, I like I like these really weird combinations. So um, this show is getting back to kind of basics and like the first impressions that really impacted me, the lasting impressions of these icons and these pop culture personalities and the music make on all of us. So it's if you ever wonder what Gwen Stefani would sound like singing the theme song to the Wombles, this is the show for you. Something like that. Does sound amazing. Thank you. I love Thank that. <laughs> and what's the Celine Dion Simpsons one? How does that go? I didn't even think of that until I said it. The Simpsons. That's wonderful. It's like Celine is in the room right now. Yeah, we should really. I do kind of freak out when you do impressions. I do feel like the actual star is in the room. When you're like speaking to people, are you picking up on everything they're doing and making mental notes? No, I I don't. But sometimes you can't help it. Right, okay. Sometimes there's somebody where you're like, hey. "Are you doing that?" With are you us? doing that on purpose? Yeah, yeah could like you do I, an could, but I'm a little, yeah. I mean, because my senses are heightened to it now. Could you do an impression of non-gay? No, <laughs> no, no, no. But I do like that laugh. I do like that every time anything anything is a little bit uncomfortable, you put your chin down. And you, go, <laughs> it's like a little defense mechanism. So if I was ever trying to impersonate you, I might start with going. <laughs> like I was a little embarrassed. Like I was a little embarrassed by whatever the question That's was. That's so funny. Even if it was like, "What did you eat today?" I'd be like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know just, like, just a little bit of I'm, I'm not quite I'm not quite uh, comfortable enough to be like well I had a banana you know it's like a yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about that What's uh, what's mine? I'm terrified to find out. No, it's very confident actually. Oh really? I think, oh. You, I think you jump right into everything. Okay. Even the, the like I'm saying, I was sitting back there listening to these fantastic stories, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a great program because you get to cover so much, and you're talking about um, really serious subject matter, but in a in a very um, accessible way. Yeah. I think it's a great balance between you. Yeah, because you might laugh at something and you might be like, yeah, it's fine. No, I asked my mother about her anal sex, no problem. Like, it's just that, that sort of that confidence. Would you uh, ask your mother about anal sex? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to challenge you to something now. So Dan really likes metal music, right? To try and like, I don't know, find a middle ground for our friendship. I always think it'd be very, very cool if we had a metal song, mm -hmm. but like performed by a diva. I love this, okay. Um, I might let you choose the diva. Okay. Depending on what you feel. Could I like squeeze in two if I feel like there are different parts of the song or something? Yeah, oh my God, you okay. could definitely do that. I mean, my favorites are Celine Dion and Julie Andrews, love them. Great. Um, the song that you've chosen, Dan, is... Do I well, know the song? Yeah, the you, you will know the song. It's not, a, it's not a metal song. James thinks that everything that's not pop is metal. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big classic rock girl. Is it classic rock? Uh, n now it is, yeah. It's not Shania. Um, so it's Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. So it is oh. now. I'll give you a little... Um, I'll try to give you like three. You said you'd like Julie and Celine. I'll throw somebody else in. Maybe pick a key. Or maybe Britney. Because that might thinking? be... Oh, Britney, yeah, totally. What the... I'm going to change the key to make it more girl-friendly. Okay, let's hit the music. I'm so happy to be here tonight. Here we go. <laughs> With the lights out, it's the staying dress. Here we are now, entertain us. Brittany, I feel so bad. I'll contest us. Shakira, here we are now, entertain us. La, 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 la. <laughs> oh my god, that was amazing. Right. Give it up for Christina Bianco. <laughs> <laughs> I finally love metal music. Thanks for being here. Um, give it up for Christina again, everyone. 
Um, yeah, and that's our. Sh- oh no, quickly! I've got, I've got a WhatsApp. So this is your mate. Yeah, 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 about yeah, it yeah. is what it is. It, yeah, so we can. Oh my we god! Can okay, find out. I'll give it to Ryan at the back. Okay, great. So Dan, I literally for maybe eight, nine years, maybe even more than that, you've always said it is what it is. Why? Yes, why? You are the epitome of it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> it's what it is. Great. Thanks for coming tonight, everyone. We'll see you next episode with Jen Brister and Sophie Ducker. Have an amazing night. We love you. Yeah. Find us on your socials at Gay Non Gay. Listen at GayNonGay.com or just search Non Gay at your fave pod app.